All right, well, if you brought a Bible, we're going to be in Psalm 23. If you're just now jumping in on this adventure that we're calling the Rock and Soul series, we're taking some time to study Psalm 23. Title of this week's message is Blessing You Can't Get to the Bottom of. Hey, blessing that's so robust, so full, so past finding out, you can't get to the bottom of it. I want to tell you the one word this week, the one word, this is what you're going to learn, the one word God never wants to hear you say. The one word God never wants to hear you say. Um, we've been beginning each of the messages of this series by, by saying uh, Psalm 23 together. We're going to put it up on the screen. It's going to go up right now. And, and we'll, we'll say it all together out loud. And then we'll double back and study the week's portion for this week. Um, I've put it out there for us all to try and memorize it in the New King James so we can say it together. And I'm prepared to do so without looking at the screen this week. And uh, so we'll say it together out loud. All is one. If you, if, no shame if you need to look at the screen. But if you want to try and avert your eyes to do it with me, we'll all mess up together. All right, here we go. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on. So good. And the verse that we're going to focus on this week, as it's the fifth week of the series, is verse 5, where David says, just, let's just circle back and just kind of focus in on this. David says to his God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Father, we pray that this would saturate our hearts, fill our souls, God, I pray for something fresh, something new to be poured out in our hearts even now. We want to meet with you. We want to see you. Help us from having any preconceived notions about what you're going to say to us and the part of our heart that needs touching or stirring or fixing or changing or convicts, convicting or breaking or, or mending. We just want you to meet with us here and, and for your will to be done. And we pray that if even one person with us at Fresh Life or joining by church online or watching on the podcast, listening to these words, if they don't know you, if they're far from you, without hope in this world, no matter how many years have passed from the broadcast of this message and being embedded into a digital file between now and when it's being accessed, I just pray right now salvation over this moment in the name of Jesus. I pray for you to draw people to yourself through your spirit. And because of the power of the gospel, which is the only good news that there is, that there would be resurrection and transformation and salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. David has sort of mixed up his metaphors here as he continues 
to unpack this idea of an inward tranquility that leads to an outward stability of what is really released inside your soul and inside your life when you build your heart, when you build your life on the rock. And what becomes immediately clear to me as I read this verse is that God wants to bless you. As David talks about your leader, your shepherd, your friend, your savior, so generously making sure there's accommodation, a table for you, and, and oil to anoint your head, and, and, and this, this lavish blessing upon your cup. It's just, it just hits you in the face. Like, hey, hey, hello, welcome to church. Uh, God wants to bless you. And I think if you understood what was contained in that, you might have responded a little bit better, right? Like, like I just said, the God who created the universe, his plan, like his agenda is like things to do today is to bless you. Like he wants to bless your life. And I wonder if the reason there was such a, let's, let's be real, lethargic response to that glorious announcement is that maybe you don't really believe that. Or maybe you think he wants to bless someone else. But probably you're thinking of things you've done wrong and things you haven't done that were right. And you're wondering if you're really worthy of his blessing. Because we wrongly impose some standard of our righteousness as though it were attached to God's flow of favor upon your life. When it's only looking at Jesus on the cross that God then chooses to bless you. So you're living what you're living. You're doing what you're doing. And God looks at Jesus, and then he pours out his blessing. He doesn't grab the little teaspoon scoop. He grabs the big get the dog food out for the bull mastiff scoop out when he wants to bless your life. Regardless of what you've done today, he looks at Jesus and blesses you. He looks at his son and blesses you. If you're in Christ, you're hidden in Christ. God can't see anything but Jesus' righteousness when he looks at you. Or maybe it's not that you're so looking at your flaws and your errors and your mistakes and your sins that would cause you to squirm when I would tell you God wants to bless you. Perhaps it's just that you've wrongly accepted this cultural notion of a cross and angry and stingy and constipated deity who's all puckered up and all stressed out and all angry and all frustrated and who just goes back and forth, you know, wearing a rut in the cloud that he walks on because he's so stressed and no one who he made does anything that he asked them to do. And he's just, he, they, they, everyone's, every, he's just really, really angry. That, and you know what? I think that is, there's a whole lot of that going around. Of, of, of a God who, who wants to do anything but bless. I can prove this or illustrate this in any number of ways, but let me choose one that will probably cause angry emails. Um, what do you think the most commonly prayed prayer every day in this country is? It's probably one you wouldn't even think of as a prayer. I submit to you that most likely the most commonly prayed prayer in our country every day is, God, damn it. And that, if you didn't know, is a prayer. People resort to it when they're frustrated. People resort to it when they're hurt. People resort to it when they're angry. 
when they're feeling unloved, when they're feeling unwanted, when they're feeling unworthy, when they're feeling in some way betrayed. God, please, damn it. The hammer who hit my nail, the person who cut me off, the girl who rejected and rebuffed my advances, the spouse that cheated on me, God damn them. God damn it. We just assume, perhaps, that God is in a hurry to, to curse, that he's vengeful and wants to wither things, that he is a big old bag of lightning bolts and he can't throw them fast enough to keep up pace with life's demands. But did you know that God would much rather pour out favor than pour out curses, than pour out judgment? That's, in fact, I like how, I love how beautifully Eugene Peterson puts it when he said this, God's main business is blessing, not cursing. God is a God who wants to bless, who longs to bless, because if you know anything about him, you need to know that he is a good God. He's a kind God. He's full of loving kindness and compassions that don't fail. God would much rather bless. And far from you being uncomfortable with that, I actually submit to you, you ought to lean into that. Is this crazy? You ought to pray for that. Matter of fact, there's a guy in the Bible, his name is Jabez. Jabez, we're told, is more, a man more honorable than his brothers. And scripture records one prayer that he prayed. And look what he said. Jabez said to God, the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me indeed. We are reluctant to pray such a thing because we think that would be selfish. But it's not. It's in line with God's heart. God, would you please bless me indeed? And would you enlarge my territory? that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Look at this. So God granted him what he requested. Maybe God's not blessing you like he wants to because you're not asking him for it like he wants you to, like he intends for you to, because you have some wrong notion of who God is and what his agenda is. But I came to church to tell some people God wants to bless your business. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your career. He wants to bless your business. He wants to bless your enemies. God is a God who loves to bless. He's in a hurry to bless. Now, what that means is different from season to season and from situation to situation and from day to day and from specific calling to specific calling. Paul talked about knowing how to walk in times of, of great prosperity and also in times where he did not have even what we would describe as basic necessities. And yet he said, in the midst of all of those things, I'm walking in God's blessing. And that's why I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So, so, so I'm not just talking about net worth. I'm talking about having a soul that knows its worth. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's possible to be married and lonely, just like it's possible to be rich and yet empty. But because of the power of what God's blessings looks like, it's also possible to be single and totally satisfied. And you can be poor in spirit, but rich in faith. I'm talking about the blessing of God and what it feels like to walk knowing that you are wrapped up in his favor and his eye is on you and that he's gone before you and that he stands behind you 
as your rear guard. I'm talking about having the name of the Lord to run to as a shield in time of needs. I'm, I'm talking about having, having God as your defender, as the lifter of your head, as the one who gives you strength, as the one who is your portion, who is your life, who is the length of your days, and how fearless you become, and how powerful you are when every day you get a walk in the blessings of God upon your life. There's nothing like it. And I want it so badly for you. But buyer, beware. There is lurking all around us this critical idea that somehow prospering is sinful, that somehow being blessed is, is something that God takes a offense of. But that is simply impossible to reconcile with a shepherd who's longing to pour out on your cup and anointing oil upon your forehead and who spreads the table before you in his banquet hall, okay? But if you're gonna walk in this, you, you gotta know the whole deal, all right? Because first thing, jot this down, opposition is to be expected. If you're going to walk in God's blessings, if you're going to walk, listen, Psalm says his paths drip with abundance, okay? So if you're going to walk in a life where you can say that, whether you have or have not, whether you're, 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 you're single or, or married, whether you're, you're empty or full, but you say, I, I'm walking in God's blessings and you're experiencing the fullness of what that looks like. Whether you're in, in, a, in a jail, shackled, singing songs, but believing you have God's blessings on your life, or you're, or you're living in the, in the penthouse suite and you are, are, are the CEO, whatever, that you can say, I have God's blessings and exactly where I am is exactly what God wants me to do and who he wants me to reach and the platform that I have and the influence that I have and the connections that I have and the money that I have and the job that I have and everything at my disposal so I can bear witness to Jesus Christ, so I can carry the name of Jesus into this situation. If all of that is for his blessings, and just know this, if you're going to walk in that kind of a life, opposition is going to be expected. Where does this, um, this banquet that David got invited to take place? I can't remember. It was in verse 5. There's something about surrounded by enemies. Oh, that's a weird place for a banquet. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds like my life, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, but but, but that's, that's where your banquet's going to take place in. Your blessing that you're going to experience is going to take place, not removed from your enemies, but right in the midst of them. Right in the midst of them. What enemies are we talking about? Well, all sorts of different enemies. And it will look differently from day to day. So if you look at David's life, when he was trying to take care of sheep, he's just a poor little kid taking care of sheep. There's enemies, uh, like a lion and a bear that viciously attacked his sheep. And he had to go fight them to get the sheep back. But then when he tries to stand up for the glory of God, taking the opportunity God had for him while he was faithful, del faithfully delivering food to his brothers, there was a giant that attacked him by provoking God's glory named Goliath. And so David takes out Goliath. And what does he do? He, he follows God's call, playing songs for the mad king, and it settles him down, you know, totally calms down his temper tantrums. And, and David gets this new job in, in, the, in Saul's palace playing lullabies for crazy King Saul. And what does God do? God, God blesses him. He gives him more favor, more opportunity. There's blessing all around him. But what happens? Saul tries to kill him, throws spears at him. You know, right? That's, that, you, Osha would not approve of this job. This had risks. He's just brum, 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 duck. Brum, 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 right? Like it pierced his ear one time. It was crazy. And, and on from there, his own son tries to take him out, right? There was, there was blessing on, God's, on, on David's life, but right in the midst of it, in every single season of his soul, his blessing occurred in the midst of adversity. And so it will be for you. Why? Whatever God starts, the devil opposes. 
Whatever God starts, the devil opposes. We have never, ever one time launched an outreach, launched a campus, launched any major initiative to take new ground, and not immediately found ramped up opposition on all sorts of different fronts. And listen to me very carefully. Anyone who dares to live out God's dream will receive pushback from the other team. It is part and parcel of walking in God's blessing to be surrounded by new enemies. And every time you get to a new level, there are new enemies that show up, new levels, new devils, y'all. I'm telling you, for each new season, there will be new affliction. So you should almost expect it. Because as we look back at the pages of scripture and Romans tells us these are written for our learning, what do we see? We see Joseph, God gives him a dream. One day you're gonna be in upper management and your brothers are actually gonna be in a place where they're subservient to you. So he tells his family about it. You know what the brothers decide to do? Kill him. They throw him in a pit. We'll never have you as our boss, bro. So they sell him off to slaves and then he's, his, his life gets harder because of his following God's call. You see the same thing in the life of Nehemiah. God breaks his heart and most, most great callings come with a broken heart. Most great callings come with a broken heart. We recently just installed a new campus pastor for a Butte location. I told him, I said, you need to have a broken heart for your city. Pray for a broken heart for that city. But when God breaks your heart for something, the calling comes, but so do the wolves. The moment Nehemiah begins to talk of the, salt, the walls raising, Sambala, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, they just start running out of the wood. We're going to kill you. You're a liar. Here's the smear campaign. Here's distraction by meetings. Every possible thing you can imagine to take him out. Right, So as his flames burned hotter, life got harder. What makes you think you're going to be any different? Yeah. Esther, Mordecai, put there for such a time as this, sitting in the king's gate, living in the palace as the king's wife. OK, great, but here's what's happening. Uh, there's a satanic guy named Haman. And Haman wants to kill all the Jews. Haman wants to take out Mordecai. Haman's plotting and Haman's cackling. And Haman's like Jafar from Aladdin. He's got all these plans. He's got a little bird on his shoulder. It's like, it's so like um, unbelievably uncreative every single time. Jesus goes into the Jordan River, gets baptized. Father speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Holy Spirit comes down like a dove from the sky. What happens? Immediately driven by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days of temptation. After the dove comes the devil. After revelation comes tribulation. And so it will be for you when you stand up at work, when you stand up with a dream, when you stand up as an entrepreneur, when you stand up to do anything for God, so will come the immediate pushback. And uh, that's what we see in scripture. I would actually put it pretty bluntly by telling you this. It's impossible to be like Jesus without having enemies. Because some of you are troubled about your enemies. You want everyone to like you. Jesus said, woe to you if all men speak well of you. I will not be worried that someone gossips about me. If you ever Google me, don't do it, and you find out something troubling on there, don't tell me about it. Like, oh, guess what they said? I would, the day I will be worried is when no one says lies about me, when no one makes up stuff about me, because then I have stopped taking things into in, in new places that God wants for me. I'm, I'm actually a little concerned if it's, if it's not been a while without a trial. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm, not, I'm not taking that to undo extremes, but, but, but you cannot be like Jesus if you don't have enemies. Jesus told his disciples point blank. He said, he said, the world hates you? Yeah, well, guess what, Bubba? It hated me first. So you're following me. The world hates me. It's not even really on you. It's, it's on you trying to follow me. So if you stand up at your campus, if you stand up at your job, if you do what Jesus has called you to do, there are going to be enemies. There are going to be bullies. There are going to be internet trolls. Get on with it. 
Get on with it. Follow Jesus. You're not following your friends. You're not following your classmates. You're not following your teacher. You're not following your professor. You're not following your boss. Follow Jesus because he died for you and he's got your back and he's got your situation under control. Opposition, hey, to be expected. But good news, victory is guaranteed. That's my second point. Victory is guaranteed. Listen to me very carefully. Yeah, there's enemies surrounded, but, but look what God, God does. He, he, he prepares a table before me. Yeah, it's in the presence of my enemies, but don't bear the lead. He prepares a table before me. So he's bringing you into a banquet, meaning the enemies surrounding you, they can't take you out outside of his plan. Well, what if they do kill me? Well, see previous verse. Go through the valley of the shadow of death, come out. Even if you die, you win. How powerful is this, right? So, 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 but just don't miss this, though. Yeah, there's enemies, but it's, it's me going into a banqueting table surrounded by people who don't want me and resent me entering into God's best for my life. Do you see the picture? It's kind of gloaty. It's kind of like, wait, is this even biblical? Like, this doesn't seem right. What, he, what God's saying is, David's saying, God, you're going to bless me like those other people didn't want me to get blessed, and they're going to have to watch. That doesn't seem Christian, but it's awesome. It's, it's so good, right? It's so good. And you really get the, the feel of that kind of like, uh, like pop of the neck kind of vibe when you read it in the message translation. It says, you prepare a six-course meal for me, and you do it right in front of my enemies. I see him coming out to make the guacamole, not making it in the back. I see God coming with a chef hat and the guacamole. Oh, would you like bacon in it? Well, yes, don't mind if I do. Would you like jalapenos in it? Well, of course I would. Do you want extra lime juice? Uh Uh-huh, right? And then bringing out the flaming dessert. You're like, what the heck? Maybe better. It's at Benihana's. Everything's happening right there. The enemies are like, ah, I would love to kill you. I'd like to keep you back. Oh, really, fool? Right? No extra charge for any of that. But tell me if that's not the other side of Joseph's story. Brothers tried to tear him down from God's dream. How'd that work out? Joseph kept a good heart, never never let it go to his head, never let it develop into a wounded spirit, never let his affliction define him. He did the best that he could, and he used the calling on his life right there. You're a leader? Okay. And Potiphar's house, going to lead. How can I help? How can I help? He didn't do barely enough. He went, he did more than enough. Soon he got exalted in Potiphar's house. Well, then this woman rises up because he's being blessed, and it happens again. And she tries to tear him down, tries to tear him down from the table. You're not going to the banquet. You're not going to the feast. You're not going to the ball, Cinderella. Tear the dress, right? The whole thing. But the birds come. The birds make a new dress for Joseph. What the heck am I talking about? But you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've ever read the story of Joseph. Because all of a sudden, here's a guy. He's in the jail now because this woman lied about him. But in the jail, he's like, what can I do to serve you, master? What can I do, warden of the prison? How many people go to jail who do not deserve it and, and walk around their job? That's like ball and chain or walk around this. I said, isn't fair. I shouldn't have got this. But Joseph didn't have a chip on his shoulder. He had a broom in his hand. He said, how can I clean? How can I help? How can I serve? And you know what happened? He got promoted. He got promoted even though Potiphar's wife tried to keep him back from the banqueting table. And one day, he helps out the butcher. He helps out the baker. We don't know nothing about the candlestick maker, but he ends up exalted. He ends up promoted. And what is he, in the end of the day, doing? He's sitting at a banqueting table, and all of his brothers are all around. The ones who tried to keep him down, they didn't even get a sit the table, they had to watch him eat the six-course meal of prime cut from Pharaoh's table 
The point is, those who want to tear you down can't keep you down in Jesus' name. So hold your ground. Hold the line. Eyes on Jesus. Just keep doing your thing and running in your lane. He's got this. Come on, give him a praise if you believe it's true. So, so what do we do if we're at the spot where it seems preposterous? If the dream, if the plan, if the heart that you had, if it seems like the enemies are winning, if it seems like the detractors are, are in control, then just keep your heart right and remember what God's up to right now. Look at the text one more time. You prepare a table before me. If you were able to flip several chapters forward, he's getting the table ready. So don't give in and don't give up. Don't give in and don't give up. He's a couple chapters ahead. How sad is it if you, if you give in and you just join into what those said about you and why it should never work and why it'll never happen and why you, you're, you, you, don't, you don't come from the right family and you don't have the right connections and you don't have the right blood in your veins or you don't have the right color of your skin or you don't have the right degree after your name. And so you give in to what they're saying. Or if you give up, and, and develop a wounded spirit and a, a victim mentality, and you get bitter, and you get mad at God. You throw your hands up in the air. I thought you had dreams for me. I thought you had a calling for me. But look at my life. If you give in to that, or if you give up in the midst of that, then you'll never get to enter into what he's doing before you. Just remember, he's gone before you to set things up. He right now is preparing the victory celebration for what today seems impossible, for what today you would feel like other people would laugh at if you were to tell them about it. He goes before you. And not only that, but he He's setting things up that you're going to walk in one day and look at and go, this doesn't even make sense. He's preparing, uh, look at this, cities for you that you didn't build. He's going to give them to you. He's preparing houses for you that that you didn't have to build. He's preparing vineyards for you that you didn't go in and dig or plant. He's preparing, look at the next verse, wells for you that you didn't dig. The point is that one day you're going to look around and go, what the heck? Where'd this come from? I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. And he's going to go, I did. That's what I was doing while you were over there getting picked on. Let them laugh at you. Let them make fun of you. Let them say what they're going to say. I'm over here preparing stuff that one day you're going to walk in and go, where'd this favor from, come from? Where'd this blessing come from? It came from the hand of God and your willingness to see past the seed and not give up in the midst of adversity. Opposition, to be expected. Victory, it's guaranteed. All he does is win, win, win. When he comes into the building, everybody's hands go up, and they stay there. If we're, if we're doing things right, and they stay there, right? So, 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 so what's, the, what's the missing piece in the middle? The missing piece in the middle is this. Anointing is needed. How do you get from the opposition phase and make it through to the victory phase? you got to walk in his anointing. you got to walk in his anointing. That's why David said, here's how I'm going to make it. There's enemies, but there's this banquet, but he anoints my head with oil. David had the benefit of remembering a physical anointing when he wrote this. David was anointed to be the king of all of Israel. He's a little shepherd kid. He's, he's, he doesn't belong to be, he wasn't even included when his dad brought the boys out. His own dad didn't include him in the count. His brother tried to keep him down when he did show up to bring them food. They're like, what are you doing here? I brought you lunch. Thanks for the thank you card, right? And they, they, they didn't see anything in it. So his opposition came from even his own family, and maybe yours has too, and that's the hardest. That sometimes hurts the most. 
right? And, and, and Jesus had to deal with that. So his own brothers didn't believe in him until he rose from the dead. So, I mean, you're in good company if you have people in your family who don't see what's in, in, inside you. So you got to walk in that daily anointing. So David gets anointed to be king, but it's years before he becomes king, decades before he come, becomes king. He's anointed, and, and I, here's what I believe. I believe David had to rely on the power of God's anointing to get him through from the opposition phase to the victory phase. That's what we got to do. And, and, and you're like, well, that's David. He's a king. That's David. You know, he was the spiritual leader like a priest. Uh, did you not know? Did no one ever tell you? Revelation says you are kings and priests to our God. So FYI, also a time for celebration. Like you are royalty and you are a part of a priesthood. In fact, Peter said you are a royal priesthood. Kings and priests to our God. So that's pretty significant. Like, that's a just casual time in the service. Just be like, oh, by the way, did no one ever tell you you were adopted and in the family line, you're now royalty and you're a part of this epic priesthood. And kings and priests have to be anointed. And that's why I believe, like David, we need to lean into the flow of oil upon us. O oil speaks in scripture of consecration and spiritual Holy Spirit power for separation. Kings and priests cannot serve without being anointed. And so we need to be anointed. Well, question, what blocks the flow of the oil? What blocks the flow of the oil? Here we go. Number one, division. Division, any divisive spirit, it blocks the flow of oil. Psalm 133 puts it this way. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard of Aaron, running down the edges of his garments. There is something to unity that releases power. If for, for your marriage to have the power, it's meant to have, there's got to be a unity, the division in a marriage, the division in a church, the division in a team, the division in a company, multiple cultures, division, meaning two, die means two visions, two visions as opposed to running towards a, a united vision that God has for you. It creates separation. Separation blocks the oil that runs down. There's a commanded blessing of God upon any united endeavor upon any united effort. And that's why all the power that comes from the book of Acts, you have before it really this kind of big idea of all the church was in one accord. All lifted up the name of Jesus together so that unity releases the power and the Holy Spirit comes down like fire upon their heads. So as we want to do all that God's given us in our heart, there must be a leaning into unity because division blocks the flow of oil. Second thing, pride blocks the flow. Pride blocks the flow of, of what God has for us. So we have to lean into humility. Yeah. Humility. Check this out. It's impossible to get an anointing unless you get down on your knees. Yeah. You got to lower your head. You can't have oil running down upon your head and then upon your clothes like Aaron's was in Psalm 133, unless you stoop, unless you bow. And some of us, the reason God can't put any oil on us is because we walk around like this all the time and our neck, necks are stiff and we won't, we won't bow our head to anybody. But if we want to have the anointing oil, we got to get low. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due season. So lean in with humility. The third thing that will cause the oil to flow upon your life is, this one's sad, brokenness. Brokenness, crushing, trials, difficulty, affliction. Maybe it's the fact that the banquet took place in the presence of the enemies that allowed there to be the opportunity for David to be ready to receive the banqueting table. And maybe it's the same for you. And maybe that's, God, that's why God has allowed the brokenness in your life and the difficulties that you've faced. But anytime you're being crushed, just remember, he's producing and preparing some anointing oil 
because you can't make anointing oil without getting some precious things and crushing them. That's the only way an olive is going to give up its, its extra virgin olive oil unless it goes through those crushings. Those crushings, not singular, but multiple. Those crushings is going to release. I heard that most oil actually comes out of the pit, but to crush the pit, it takes a lot of brokenness. It takes a lot of brokenness. But isn't that the flavor? Isn't that the tone? And isn't that the aroma of what Paul said? Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Listen to me. Listen to me. This victory that's guaranteed because he always leads us in victory. It's, it's going to happen as we go from glory to glory and grace to grace. All of that's going to happen with a brokenness that's going to release the aroma of Christ to the world. So lean into that because it's, 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 it's in the anointing that he then gives you the power. And you need a fresh anointing for every season, a fresh anointing for every, every day. There's something else you need to know, then we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Yeah, opposition, to be expected. But good news, victory is guaranteed. In the midst of all that, anointing is needed. Last thing, jot it down. You are wanted. This psalm says, not your neighbor, they're wanted too, but you are wanted. You are wanted. You're wanted. Did you know in the ancient East, a full cup, an overflowing cup, sent a message. Apparently, there's decorum. And if you were at a banquet and the master of ceremonies, who answered only to the host, would send the attendants around refilling glasses, as long as the glasses were being refilled, that meant there was more to the party and you didn't need to go anywhere. There's more. They're, they're still refilling the cups. We're good, right? You don't want to overstay your welcome, so you pay attention to such things, right? You'll never be the last to leave a party. Right? The, the host is like, everything's in Tupperware. They're in their sweats. Like, what more can they do? Please leave. Right? <laughs> Don't overstate your welcome. So always pay attention to those subtle clues, like them saying, I have to work at 8. But seriously, how are you? Like, that's them saying, please go. Right? The moment they stop refilling your cup, that was them saying, the hour is late. We need to get our kids to bed. But if they kept, listen, if they kept filling your cup up, that meant you don't need to go anywhere. But, but get this. The master who would send a server over and fill someone's cup up, not to just the top, but overflowing onto the table, was trying to say to that guest of honor, you are welcome here. You are loved here. You are wanted here. Stay the night. Unpack your stuff. This, like, you, are, you are loved here. And Jesus, he says to you, I'm overflowing your cup. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. You're wanted in this place. You're welcomed in this place. I don't just want to forgive you. I want to abundantly pardon you. Look at this. He doesn't just work in our lives. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ask or think. We don't just have joy. We have joy inexpressible and full of glory. We don't just have peace. We get peace that passes understanding. We don't just get blessing. We are blessed with every blessing in spiritual places, in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 16 says that we receive grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing, favor upon favor favor. We get gifts heaped upon gifts. I'm telling you, God doesn't just fill your cup up. He makes your cup run over. There was a pastor one time 
He said this, his name was F.B. Meyer. He said, he said that whatever the blessing is in our cup, it is sure to run over. With him, the calf is always the fatted calf. The robe is always the best robe. The joy is unspeakable. The peace it passes understanding. There is no grudging in God's benevolence. God does not want to damn anything. He desires none to perish, but all to have everlasting life. I came that you might have life and life that's abundant joy to the full. So what are we to do? Well, I, 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 jotted, I jotted three things down. Here's number one. What do we do when our cup is overflowing? Number one, we don't look at our neighbor's cup. We don't look at our neighbor's cup. Because maybe you have a small cup and it's overflowing, but you look over and you see how big their cup is, and you start to do the math, and you think, even though their cup's not overflowing, I have less what? Don't look at your neighbor's cup. Don't look at your neighbor's cup. What is that to thee? Follow thou me, Jesus says to you. What about if I want him to live till I come back the second time? If I want to use him that way, if he has 34 Twitter followers and you have 17, like, what is that to you? Follow me. It's impossible to be jealous about your friend's cup when you're zealous about what's in your cup. So get fired up on what's in your cup. That's number one. The, the second thing that, that, that I jotted down is, is this. Say it even when you don't see it. Say Because his table is prepared before you, before you even get there. He's setting stuff up you'll experience 20 years from now, 15 years from now, 10 years from now. Learn to say it before you see it. Learn to say it before you see it. Say, my cup runs over even when you don't even have a cup in your hand. If you're in a prison cell, if you're in a tiny apartment with three kids running around, say, my cup runs over. The lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. God's been better to me than I deserve. And then here's the last thing. If you have a full cup running over, don't keep it to yourself. Because God's much too practical and much too smart to ever do anything as an end unto itself. If he's blessed you, it's so he could bless someone else through you. Listen to this. The way to keep prosperity from turning into idolatry is generosity. Hey, I dare you to make your life into a chocolate fountain. And whatever God's flowing over in your life, make sure you get another vessel under it so nothing gets wasted. Let God's blessing on your life overflow into someone else's life, that the nations might be glad, that other people might be blessed, that what God has done in you might not stop with you. It might bless someone else through you. Now, what is the word that God never wants to hear you say? We started there, let's end there. I submit to you, the word is when. 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 I was eating a salad the other day. Didn't like it, but I ate it. <laughs> and the waiter said, would you like fresh ground pepper on your salad? And I said, indeed I would. Bring it on. Spicy my salad up, yo. Make it taste like something other than lettuce. And, and he said, OK. Got his big old peppermint out. And then he said, say when. 
when God starts flowing out on your life, never, ever, 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 ever say when. Because when you stop receiving, he'll stop pouring. So I say you tell God, pour it out. Pour out the blessing. Pour out your best on my life. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching in the Rock and Soul series. I love that we're learning about the outer stability that comes from inner tranquility. And if at any time during this teaching you made a decision to accept Jesus, congratulations, that's the best decision that you'll ever make and we're so excited for you. Now we would love to send you a Bible in the mail and you can receive that by filling out a form by clicking the No God button on our website or you can text the word Fresh Life, all one word with no spaces, to 99,000 and we'd love to get that Bible in the mail for you. And if you'd like to partner with us above and beyond your tithe to your local church, there are several ways that you can do that. You can text the word FRESH to 45777, or you can click the Give button at freshlife.church or give through the Fresh Life app. Now finally, if what God is doing at Fresh Life Church has impacted you in any way, we'd love to hear from you. You can email your story into us by emailing story at freshlife.church or you can click Know God on our website and then click the Share Your Story button and share with us that way. That's fuel for our fire and we love hearing from you. Thank you again for joining us for the Rock and Soul series.